Hello, everybody. Hey, so good to have you with us. Welcome to Cape Christian Online from wherever you're joining us. This is so fun for me because every weekend we have people literally from around the world join in and watch. And so just know that you're a part of a a national and a global community. In fact, I'm gonna ask some of you to do something. We've asked this before, but if you will just take a second right now, and if you've never joined the chat, or even if you do every week, will you just jump in and say where you're watching from? Say, hey, watching from California or watching from South Korea or, or Michigan or wherever you may be. It's really simple. We would love to just say hi to you and for you to see that you're a part of something bigger than just watching a screen by yourself. Now we're gonna start a series for the next three weeks and it's going to be one that I think is really important and I think it comes at a good time, uh, especially knowing what's going on around us as we evaluate where am I really at in my faith? What's my relationship with God? Uh, But but to kind of introduce the series, I wanna ask you a question and and I'm, I'm guessing I can't be the only one, but have any of you, when you were dating or maybe in your college years, did you ever have to have a conversation that was called the DTR talk? The DTR talk. Now the DTR, and this became a really big thing 10 or 15 years ago. The DTR talk means define the relationship. There's this idea that that we've been hanging out, we've been starting to like each other, we we enjoy the stuff we do. and, And what's gone maybe from casual to maybe a little bit more serious or committed, we need to have this conversation about like, so yo, like what's going on here? Let's define the relationship. Well, I can tell you that the DTR talk never went well for me, in fact, I quickly renamed the DTR from define the relationship to discontinue the relationship. Because anytime I ever had a DTR, it was always the girl telling me that there was no more relationship. So I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that had that experience. You can tell me on the chat, maybe yours is similar. In fact, I'll tell you the probably the most memorable DTR talk I've ever been a part of, not in my life, was I mediated one with our worship pastor, our beloved pastor Desi and her husband, Scott, who's on our tech team. I remember they were on staff with me and they were both liking each other, but they just didn't know what was going on. And me and my wife were discipling him and they they were just confused. We weren't confused, but they were confused. And so we literally forced them to a table and we said, all right, we are gonna have a DTR. We are gonna define the relationship. We're gonna put the cards on the table. And the funniest thing about the whole story is after like this hour long crying and heart, they both basically were like, well, I don't like you and you don't like me and we're never gonna happen. In fact, one of them said, it's never going to happen. Less than 24 hours they were dating and now they've been married for the last 10 years. It was so funny to me because they were just so convinced it was never gonna happen, but we had to force the issue because we made them have the conversation, where's this relationship going? And so that's the conversation I want us to have for the next three weeks is the DTR, but not just with anybody, the DTR with Jesus. I wanna talk about defining your relationship with Jesus. And so I want to paint you a picture. And and here's a scenario I want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine, even if you don't like coffee, imagine you go into a coffee shop, you get your coffee and you sit down at the back booth and you sit down by yourself. And right after you sit down, in walks Jesus. Now, you know, it's Jesus because he's got his Miss America sash and he's got his Kenny G hair. And so, you know, it's him because you've seen all the pictures. Uh, So again, we're just pretending, but imagine he sits down and the first thing he says is, I want to, I want to have a DTR. And so I want you to picture that that's happening. I know some of you are probably thinking, gosh, if Jesus walked into the coffee shop with me, the first thing I'd ask him is like, yo, can you change this into wine or whatever? But he's not there to do that. He just wants to know the level of your commitment. And so I want you to really think about this week, this message, this series is is designed to ask the question, what is the level of my commitment? And not maybe in the past, not maybe where it's gonna be, where am I at right now? It's not what you're pretending to be, not what you want other people to think, but really, Wherever you're at right now, 
What's the level of your commitment to Jesus? Now, I think that some of us would probably welcome that conversation because we want to know how we can grow and get closer. But perhaps others of us, that conversation would make us a little bit nervous. We would be maybe afraid of some of the things he would ask or, um, or where that would go. But I think it's really the conversation that matters is, is defining the relationship, where am I at? And so here's the question I want to ask. And this is the name of this message. And this is what we're going to talk about this weekend. Some of you are probably wondering, like, if we're going to talk about defining the relationship, why are you wearing a jersey? What's going on? Well, let me tell you. The question I want to ask this week is, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or are you a follower? See, fan by definition is simply just an enthusiastic and admirer, somebody who is pumped. And you could be a fan of movies or books, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, maybe a band or a musician or actors. Many of us are fans of teams. If you've known me very long, you know I'm a huge Nebraska Cornhusker fan. I'm born and raised in Nebraska. I grew up like watching the games, listening to the games on the radio. I've had season tickets. I go to the games. In fact, uh, this, this represents, I mean, this is my Husker jersey. I mean, I am a fan. I yell at the TV. I yell at the refs. I cheer the team on. In fact, every week when I come to preach the word of God, I preach on the anointed podium that is the Nebraska Cornhuskers table. I mean, I am a fan of my team. And most of you, if you're a fan of somebody, a band, or you can throw it in on the chat. Who are you a fan of? But see, here's, here's the truth about a fan. Fans usually buy the jersey because we never actually wore the jersey. We've never actually been on the field. We've never been to a practice. We've never been in the locker room, taken a hit, or broken out a sweat in a workout. We're big fans of them, but we've never been a part of the team. And it's interesting because we can know all the stats. We can know the depth charts and we can know history. I mean, I can tell you stuff, lots of stuff about Nebraska football from before I was even born about Heisman trophies and national champions. And, and we beat Bear Bryant and Bob Devane. I can tell you more than you ever want to know. In fact, a real fan will probably even talk about the players and the coaches as if they're like friends of ours. In fact, I've overheard this here in Southwest Florida recently. Well, you know, Tom's coming to Tampa and he's bringing Gronk with him. And yeah, did you hear they just, they just signed LaShawn? They convinced LaShawn to come down with them. And so we're talking about these NFL football players joining the Buccaneers like they're our friends. And we talk about the coach like he's one of our friends. Ah, you know, Scott, just, he just didn't call the greatest game. But see, we're just that. We're a fan. We're enthusiastic. We're an enthusiastic admirer. And today, and I think especially in America, it actually seems like Jesus has a lot of fans. What do I mean by that? I mean that I think a lot of people have decided to believe in Jesus, but have not really committed to Jesus. They've decided to believe in Jesus, but not necessarily committed to Jesus. In fact, I've even heard many people say those very exact words to me like, oh, Jesus, Jesus of the Bible. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to make you defensive or knock it. I just want you to follow me through this logic for the next few minutes. What do I mean by a fan of Jesus? Well, I mean, we sit in the stands, we cheer them on. Maybe we even come to church and we want all the benefits that come with it, but that's it. We're, we're maybe just a fan. Fans maybe seem to know a lot about him, but don't really know him. I was always a fan of Michael Jordan. I knew a lot about Michael Jordan, but I never really knew him. But see, when we read the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus, and we really look at the Bible for ourselves, we see that Jesus wasn't looking for fans. When Jesus had a DTR, when he defined the relationship, an enthusiastic admirer was not what he really described. It wasn't even really ever an option if you read what he said. 
I wanna show you some of the words that Jesus taught one day as he was defining the relationship for his followers. This is found in Luke 9 in the New Living Translation, and I have it on the screen, and you can look it up in your Bible as well. It says this. It says in Luke 9, verse 23, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower... Now, if you're in the chat, you can type that word follower. Notice he doesn't say fan. Notice he doesn't say friend. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, he says, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. He goes on in verse 24. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will actually lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll actually save it. And then he asks this question, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed. If anyone is ashamed of, my, of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. Now that to me does not sound like somebody who's just looking for some fans to maybe put a fish uh, on a car or a poster on the wall. Jesus wasn't looking for fans. He's describing fully committed followers. And so I think all of us, we've probably fit into one of three categories. And, and, and let me just say, it's okay to be where you are. In fact, there's power in knowing where you're at. And so let's, let's just all commit to each other. We're gonna be honest with ourselves for the next 20 minutes or so. So the three places I think all of us fall in it comes to our relationship as we define the relationship, as we DTR with Jesus, is number one is just indifferent. You're just indifferent. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you don't care. It just means you're not even a fan. You're like, I don't really care. Or you're not really opposed by it. You're not offended by it. You're not even bothered if other people are Jesus followers, but you're just not sure if it's for you. And maybe you're here because somebody said you should uh, check it out or somebody shared the link and we're so glad that you're here. You just maybe have a lot of questions or you have curiosity and that is so okay. In fact, we are so glad you're here. We are a safe place to discover and explore your faith. And, and we hope that someday you would consider to follow Jesus, but, but it's okay to be indifferent or to have questions. And if you're curious, I just want to say, if you are here and you're watching and somebody said, you got to check out this pastor or this church or my church, I want to say we have some really good series in our archive that I think will help you discover if you really do want to know more about Jesus. Um, if you go to the notes section, all the links are in the notes right there on the tab. But just a few of them, we have series uh, like Jesus is, who is this man? Easter of 2018 specifically, our series, Welcome to the Jungle, as well as the very first message of the Blueprint series called Covered in the Dust. We have several of those. If you wanna go back and look at those, they're gonna really help you discover who Jesus is if you're in that curious mode. And so maybe you're in that first category, you're indifferent. I think others of us, maybe we fit in the second place, is that we're fans. We are fans, well, woo, let's go. We maybe got the Jesus fish on the back of the car. We got the jersey. We got the Christian t-shirt or whatever the question, whatever it may be. And again, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Please do not hear that. In fact, if you're a fan of Jesus, the question, are you following Jesus, might even seem like a silly question. It's like, well, of course it might sound rhetorical, but let me be clear. Here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, uh, did you come forward at some point during a 12 minute version of Amazing Grace and say a prayer? I'm not asking, do you own three or more Bibles? Or have you ever appeared in a church bulletin, if you know what that is, or a church video announcement? Or do you give financially to the church? I'm not asking, did you grow up going to VBS or church camp or, or, or summer camp or Sunday school? I'm not asking, is your worship, uh, is your ringtone a worship song? I'm not asking if you've ever received a purpose-driven life in 40 days. 
And I'm not even asking if you understand phrases like washed in the blood or traveling mercies or sword drill, which by the way, I know all of those things. I'm happy to tell you I was raised in it, but that's not the question. And because those things apply to me doesn't mean I'm following Jesus. So I wanna ask this question, is it possible that maybe it's possible for us to be fans, but have a little bit of a mistaken identity? Maybe we think we're somewhere we're not because perhaps we've used the wrong standard to measure our lives against. I wanna talk about just three measurements I think really, that's really easy to do when thinking about, well, am I a follower of Jesus? As I DTR, as I define my relationship with Jesus. It's so easy to use the measurement of cultural comparisons. Cultural comparisons, what does that mean? Well, basically a cultural comparison says this. Well, compared to them, I'm doing pretty good. And I'll bet as soon as I said that, most of you thought of somebody. I'll bet you did, because I did, and I'm not that perfect. So, um, but it's that, it's that comparison. It's, it's compared to somebody in my, in my work or my neighbor or in my small group or whatever. Uh, it could be worse. In fact, it reminds me of a story that my uncle told me when we were probably middle school or late elementary school. He told a story about two men who were hiking and camping uh, up in the woods, and there was lots of wildlife, and there were bears, and they had been warned about bears that they might see a bear. And, and so sure enough, one night they're, they're getting their dinner ready. They got the campfire, the, the sun's still up and a bear comes up on them and it is a big bear and it looks hungry. And they're in the tent and the one friend just bolts out the, the tent. He takes off. And as he does, he notices his friend is sitting down and he's tying his shoes and he's taking his time to put his shoes on. And his friend says, what are you doing? There's no way you'll ever be able to outrun a bear. And the friend turns to him and says, oh, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. Now, as, as funny as that story is, I think sometimes that's a picture of how we measure our relationship with Jesus. As long as I'm a little bit better than the next guy or I'm faster than the slowest guy, I'm doing okay. Another thing that we have to maybe measure ourselves against or be careful not to is the measurement of religious activity or what I call rule following. And again, growing up, this was totally me. I measured, I followed the rules and how much I did. And I thought the more I did and the more rules I followed and the more morality I have, the more I'm following Jesus and the more committed I am to Jesus. And I'll just tell you that that was not always the case. My heart was empty. Rule following or or, or religious activity can look like, I go to church at least a couple times a month, or I put some money in the tithes and offerings. I, I even serve on a team and I listen exclusively to Way FM and K-Love or whatever your Christian station is near you. And when I go to a party, which is not often, I only have one, okay, two. I only have two, but no more drinks, that's it. And we become so consumed with just following the rules that our measurement is why I follow all the rules and I have a lot of religious activity, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that you're committed in your heart. The other measurement sometimes we use meaning well, but isn't always healthy is the measurement of knowledge. Maybe it's, maybe you'd say, well, I, I, I know all the books of the Bible. I can recite all 66 of them. In fact, I know there's 66 of them. There's 37 in the Old Testament and there's 29 in the New Testament. And, and I even memorize some of the scripture. I can even explain what sanctification is. In fact, I could tell you about the Roman road. I even know a little bit of Greek and Hebrew. Wow, that is awesome. And all of those things are true about me as well. Just because I have more knowledge doesn't necessarily automatically mean I become more spiritually mature. It's more than just knowing, it's getting it in my heart. Maybe sometimes you even think, man, I wish sometimes at church we could just go a little bit deeper, we could dive a little bit deeper. And I, I can tell you so many times I thought, well, I, I just want the meat, pastor, brother, I want the meat. And what I've learned as I'm growing, as I'm growing, is that so often I don't need more new information, I just need to get better at living out what I think I've already learned. The measurement is not just knowledge. Knowledge alone does not move me from being a fan 
to a follower. And see, here's the real risk and here's the challenge and here's the kind of the, the scary part about being a fan is that when that band or when that team or when that sports star is no longer popular, you have to find somebody else to follow. I was bummed when Peyton Manning stopped playing NFL. He was my favorite player. I, I needed to find somebody else. Why? I was just a fan. And it can be that way with Jesus. And especially right now in the times we're seeing in our world, I don't think being a Christian is as popular as it has been in, in our country's history. Standing up for Jesus isn't the cultural popular thing to do. And, and, and man, if we're just fans, it might be easy to gravitate towards something else that has more of a popular stance. Being a fan is, is easier. It's more convenient because we're typically, we're creatures of comfort. Are you a fan or are you a follower? The third category is simply that, it's the follower. Are you a follower of Jesus? I wanna go back to that first verse because there's so much that Jesus says in this short little sentence in, in Luke 9, 23. Notice this, he, he's got, I'm gonna point out three things he says. First of all, he says, if any of you, if any of you wanna be my follower, I'm gonna tell you in a minute why he's even saying this. He says, three things have to happen. He says, three things. First, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross daily and you must follow me. And I wanna just talk about all three of those things for a second because he says so much in this short little statement. He says, if you really wanna be a follower and, and my invitation is for everybody, I want everybody to choose me, but I wanna be clear that this isn't just about being a fan or kind of being on the sideline. I, wanna, I want you to know what it means. It's first of all, first thing he says, if you wanna be my follower, you must give up your own way. I don't know about you, but man, that's hard. I, I want what I want. I, it's like the old 90s song. I know what I want and I want it now. Like that's, that's how we live our lives. And Jesus is saying to follow me means to give up your own way. To, in, in fact, many versions say deny yourself. It's to defer. It's to prefer. It's to understand that there's a way of living. There's a way of, of, of serving. There's a way of doing your life that isn't just about me, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up my way. I'm gonna give up what I think is best. And I'm gonna trust him that he might have a better way to live my life. How are you doing at giving up your own way as a follower of Jesus? It's hard for me. I, I lose every day. I struggle. Then the second one, and I'll tell you, man, the second thing he says, this could be a whole sermon in and of itself. He says, the second thing you have to do is take up your cross daily. Now, maybe if you don't understand what that means, or, or maybe I think some of us, we read that and we read it with the historical lens knowing, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Well, let, hold on, let me say this. At the time when Jesus said this, people would have thought he was crazy because crucifixion was a brutal way of torture where you would hang on a cross for sometimes days until your bones break and you suffocate and it was for criminals and, and it was terrible. And, and you would actually, often when you, were, uh, when you were sentenced to the cross, they would place a cross on you. You'd have to carry it to your death place. And Jesus is saying, he wants us to voluntarily take the cross He's saying it has this, that word is an action word, meaning it's intentional, it's proactive, it's find a way, make a way. You are voluntarily saying, I'm gonna take it on me. The listeners in Jesus' day would have thought Jesus was crazy. What do you mean take up your cross? He's saying, be willing to sacrifice, be willing to suffer, be willing not only to deny yourself, but be willing to follow me on my path of, 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 of sacrificing. And, I, and this one word always gets me. And this is the part, honestly, as I was putting this together this week, even as I was walking and praying, kind of going over the message, God brought me back to this because there's one word that just keeps me coming back to this idea of following is, is he says, take up your cross daily, daily. I had to ask myself, when was the last time I said, okay, 
Jesus, today I'm taking up my cross. I'm denying myself. And I'll be honest, it had been a while. I've been doing good things. I've been following the rules. I've been trying to teach. I've even read the Bible. I've been good to my wife. I spent time with my daughter. But it had been a while since I had a DTR with Jesus. And I said, hey, I, wanna, I need to take up my cross today. So just earlier this week, I was on a prayer walk. And I just said, Jesus, today I, I choose to take my cross. I want to help me to deny myself. I can't do it on my own. Because I think I had slipped a little bit more into fan mode than I was even aware of. It's so easy to do. And I wanted to remember that Jesus didn't invite me to be his fan. He invited me to follow him with everything, daily. What if a part of every single one of our daily prayers was Jesus? Today, I choose to deny myself. Today, I'm gonna voluntarily take up your cross, take up my cross. And then the third thing he says is, is just follow me, follow me. Now, when he said that word, follow me, he wasn't just talking about salvation or, or being saved for eternity. He was actually talking about become my disciple, become a regular ongoing follower of me. And let me just make a quick distinction that I think might be helpful for some of us. First of all, salvation is this beautiful, wonderful, absolute free gift where Jesus knew that there was a, a, a disconnect between us and God because of the sins that we've created and we've done. And so he came and he paid the price and he died for all of that. And, and, he, and it comes to us. Salvation comes to us when we are willing to trust Jesus as the savior of our soul and with our life. And that's when you make Jesus your savior. And then it's once you make Jesus your savior that then I begin to learn what it means to actually follow him. He becomes my savior when I put my trust of my soul, my life in his hands. But then I, he be, I begin to follow him from then on. I learn what that means, which means I start giving up my own way. I stop living the way I used to live and I start trusting him. In fact, that word follow literally translates to this word disciple. And a disciple is simply just somebody who uh, learns and imitates by daily hands-on experience. It's a learner, someone who follows the teachings of and the example of. And so Jesus is making this daily proactive invitation saying, will you every day be my student? Will you every day be my follower? Hey, will you imitate me? Will you, will you, will you uh, learn from my teachings, learn from my example? In fact, one of the Greek translations, one of the Greek words is this word mimos, which is, is literally to hunt down or, or to reach out to, but it's where we get the word mimic. Jesus is literally saying, imitate me, mimic me, mimic my tone, my attitude. Will you follow me? It's, it's more than just someone who sits in a classroom. It's not just acquiring more information. This is someone who is living out the mission of Jesus. Every day, every day in our lives, we're living and loving like Jesus everywhere we go. And I can just tell you, it's so possible to get off track on that. Being a fan is easier. I, I, I can tell you, even as a pastor, I, can get, I get so consumed with doing the things and connecting with people and preparing the next message that I actually forget to have the DTR with Jesus and, and not how's my teaching, not how's my leadership, but go, Jesus, how are you and me doing? And I'll, be, I'll tell you, this message has been so good for me because me and Jesus had more conversations about that this week then we have vision or leadership. And it's like, I just want to be close to you. And I've been singing worship songs like, I want to be close to you and I surrender to you. And, 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 and really going back to being a follower of Jesus, saying, Jesus, more than, I, more than I even recognize, I've kind of taken my own way back. I want to give up my own way. I want to be a follower. So what does that mean, give up your own way? The simplest illustration I can think of of what it means to give up your own way is, is let me ask you a question. When you go in a car, uh, how many of you, when you go in the car, you want to be the one driving? You're like me. Why? There's lots of reasons we want to be the one driving. Why? Because you want to be in control. You like how you get there. You like how you drive. Well, 
The best distinction between a fan and a follower is this. A fan, I believe, is somebody who invites Jesus into the car. You want the connection, you want the relationship, but he rides shotgun. Because there's maybe some things that you still want to have your way, have in your life. There's some things you're not ready to let go of. There's things you want to hold on to. Maybe you're not fully ready to love like he does, or maybe forgive those who've hurt you before. Or maybe some of us are like, yeah, Jesus, I want you in the car, but I want to maintain my right and freedom to say what I want and what I think and what I feel and what I believe to anybody I want to. Or, or Jesus, I, I love your teachings, but I, I want to still call the shots in my dating life and including where sex does and doesn't belong. I, I want to do that myself. Or maybe there's some pleasures that you just want to continue or secrets you want to keep. It's like, I want Jesus there, but he's over here and I'm still driving and my hands are on the wheel. It's like, we want Jesus, but I also want what I want too. And so I, the danger here is we define our Christianity by our definition, not necessarily the words and teachings of Jesus. And the difference is followers, they slide over into the passenger seat and they let Jesus drive all the time. It's an act of surrender. It's voluntary. You're allowing him to lead every part of your life. You're saying, I, I'm not gonna pursue power or gain or control. Those, they're so intoxicating to us. It's we're literally saying, Jesus, I surrender to you and I want your power in my life, not my own. And I want you to have the control. It's, a, it's about literally saying, Jesus, you are calling the shots. To follow Jesus is to surrender to him. It's to understand that he's in control and he's in charge and I'm not. It's to also understand, even though I don't see it, that his purposes are greater than mine. His desires are always better than my desires. And so I want to close by asking the same question I did at the beginning. Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? As I was putting this together, I couldn't believe what I came across. Uh, and, and, and maybe you've heard of this, but I've learned a new word this week. It's in, the, it's in the health and diet world. It's the word flexitarian. I don't know if you've ever heard this word flexitarian. I never had. Flexitarian is literally the combination of the two words flexible and vegetarian. It's a real thing. And, and, and so basically what it is, is it means flexitarians eat mostly fruits, vegetables, legumes, a whole, a whole grains and stuff. And they focus mostly on protein from plants, but they're flexible enough to incorporate meat and animal products from time to time. It's like, a, it's also called a semi-vegetarian diet. And the idea is, well, I'm going to mostly be a vegetarian, but once in a while when I'm really feeling it or I really want it, I'm going to have some meat. I'm going to, I'm going to in, in, incorporate some meat into my life. And so they've kind of found the standard that if you can go with vegetables for like five days a week and then only meet two, eat meat two weeks, two days a week, then you're probably a flexitarian. And I'm reading this and I'm laughing. I'm like, I think I'm a flexitarian because I know vegetables are good, but I'm just still going to eat meat when I want to. I'm a flexitarian. So again, I may be oversimplifying it, but as I was reading that, I was like, man, that's so, that's just so indicative of our culture. And I, I was just thinking that that's so how it is, I think, with some of us in our faith, that we're, we're, we're not 100% all in. Like, I like the idea of being a vegetarian, or we're like the guy, they, they, they actually interviewed a flexitarian, and he was this um, bookkeeper from Concord, and he was in his late 20s, and he said, well, he said, sometimes I feel like I'm a bad vegetarian. He goes, I like vegetarian foods, and I know they're for me, but honestly, I just, I'm not 100% committed. And that's, that's the opposite of what Jesus was talking about. 
I'm, I'm concerned that that's even what's happening in America. So we're like, well, I mostly follow Jesus. I mostly follow the Bible. But when it's convenient or when I really want it, I still kind of do my own thing. We, we, we're a buffet society. I'm going to take all of as much as what I want. I like the options, but I'm going to forego the stuff I don't want. We bear the name Christian, but we kind of pick and choose which parts of Jesus's life and teaching we live out and which, pie, which parts we bypass. And the truth is being a follower of Jesus sometimes does get uncomfortable. In fact, the scripture we're talking about is uncomfortable. It's a response to Jesus doing this crazy miracle. What had happened right before this is, uh, it said 5,000 men were around Jesus. And, and so we know historically 15 or 20,000 people were there. And, and Jesus takes these five fish and these two loaves of bread and he breaks them and he hands them out and they just start multiplying and he feeds 20,000 people. And the Bible says everybody ate and they were full and, and there were 12 baskets left over. And if you imagine the scene in that time, everybody's like high-fiving, like, woo, like chest bumping, like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. And they were pumped. Why? Because he just fed them. He gave them what they needed. He gave them what they wanted. And so they're like, Jesus, we'll follow you anywhere. And this passage of scripture we're reading is in response to that. He knew that they loved him because of what they got from him in that moment. But he said, hey, I'm inviting all of you to be a follower. But just so you're clear, here's what it means. I'm not just looking for fans. I'm looking for people who will deny themselves. Trust me with their life because my way is better. My joy is better. My peace is better. My eternity is better. My life, the way I've created a living is different than the world. Jesus knew that fans were fickle. We would love our quarterback and we would shout his praises and wear his jersey because he won us the game one week. And then next week when he throws three interceptions, we say, he's a bum, put in the backup. Jesus knew that fans one week would say, Hosanna. And the next week they would say, crucify him. Now we say here often that you don't have to believe what we believe to belong. And, and that's so true. This is a safe place to enjoy your, and, and, and pursue uh, your, your faith journey and discovering a relationship with Jesus. But, but can I just speak to, to some of us? I think some of us, we've been here a while and, and we're ready to make the commitment. In fact, we've kind of been a little uncomfortable because we've kind of been doing it both ways. We've been sitting on the fence and we don't know why we're uncomfortable. We don't know what that is but it's because deep down, like this is what you've been needing. This is what you've been waiting for is to say, I'm ready to go all in and, and say yes to making Jesus. I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus to hop off the fence and really start doing that. Today can be your day. And please hear my heart as we close. This message in this series, it's not designed at all to push anyone away. In fact, Jesus is for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. And I want everyone to choose to be a follower of Jesus. And so if you're new to this journey or you're just exploring, maybe a little bit of this feels a little bit like you would go to your friend's house and he would get in trouble. And you're like, oh, awkward. Well, let me just tell you the reason this matters to me. And I'm so passionate about it is because I think part of the reason there's people that don't want to follow Jesus is because we have too many Jesus fans and not so many Jesus followers. And I'm convinced if the world had a really good picture of what a committed Jesus follower was, perhaps there would be less confusion and perhaps they'd be more compelled to follow him. So if you're just exploring or you're brand new to this, we welcome the conversation. Remember earlier I said, it starts with just saying, Jesus, be my savior. And we learn to be his a follower. If you read the Bible, he had these teenagers that followed him for three years and they got it wrong a lot and he never gave up on them, but he always brought it back to this, making it about a full on committed follower. So my intention in this series is, is intended just to us, for us to take a minute and sit down with Jesus and DTR, define the relationship and be honest about where am I at? What's my level of commitment? I would love for all of us to spend some time this week and wrestle with the question, am I a fan or am I a follower? 
Because following Jesus requires trust. Some of, some of us are thinking, well, how can I do this? I don't know all there is. I don't, I don't understand it all. You probably never will, but let me, let me submit for your, for your thought this. When something breaks down in my car, your car, and you don't know what's wrong, you don't really understand it all, but you take it to a mechanic. Why? Because you know there's somebody who you can trust that knows more about it than you do, that you, when it's in their hands, they're gonna make it better. They're gonna make it run the way it should. Or when something goes wrong in your body and you can't figure it out, you either go to a doctor or a dentist or a physical therapist or a chiropractor. And even though you maybe don't understand all that's going on, you put your trust in them because they know what's supposed to happen and how to help us get, get our lives going the, way, the direction it's supposed to be going. Well, Jesus is no different. You may not get it all, you may not understand it, but it starts with this idea of trusting that everything I've done in my own way has never really worked out and Jesus knows best. And so I may not understand it, but I'm gonna to choose to trust Jesus with my heart, with my life, with my soul, with my salvation. So as we close, I'm just gonna ask three things and I'll pray three things real quick. First of all, will you just make it a priority to be here the next two weeks as we continue this conversation in this series? It's a three-week series. My friend John Weasel is going to be here next week. Uh, he was here last year, did our men's conference. He pastors Dream City Church in Omaha, uh, Nebraska. He spoke here and he's going to continue this conversation. So will you just say, hey, I'm going to make a commitment to really be in on, maybe even take some good notes the next couple weeks. The second thing is this, will you just Determine, will you commit to making some time this week to get alone with Jesus? Maybe just find a quiet place, find a place where you're not gonna be interrupted and, and have the DTR conversation. Will you define the relationship? Maybe you've been following him a long time or you've been a fan a long time and this is a great time to circle back and go, where are we at? I would encourage you just to get a few moments of quiet, maybe, maybe um, over coffee. I would encourage you maybe to have your journal out so you can jot down some of your thoughts about where you're at. And ask him, just pray, Jesus, would you reveal areas maybe where I've been holding on to, or I haven't been letting you in and invite him to change you and grow you into a fully committed follower of him. It's what he came to do and he wants to give you the power to do it. And then the third thing is this. In a couple of weeks, we're starting what we call small groups. For us, that's not just another program or thing to do. In fact, our small groups are more like the original church that started in Acts than even the big gathering that we have most weekends. And small groups are designed to find a community where you can study the scripture and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have them in person and we have them virtual. The coolest thing even about this last session at COVID, we had literally virtual small groups of people around the country getting together on Zoom once a week, studying the words of Jesus and learning what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And so will you consider or even commit to saying, I'm gonna be in a group as I define my relationship with Jesus so I can grow into that. Jesus is inviting everyone. His arms are wide open but he's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers and he's calling you and he's inviting you into this relationship where you go all in and you trust him with everything. Would you do that this week? Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. I thank you for your invitation. Father, I pray that every person listening would, would hear this and, and that we would set aside and make time this week to define the relationship with you, that we would evaluate where are we at. We would answer the question, am I indifferent or am I a fan or am I a follower? God, that it wouldn't just be about this moment or hearing a message, but that we would take this and that we would, that we would really understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, we want you to reveal yourself to us through your scripture, through prayer. Would you make this relationship as real as it's ever been as we understand and know what it means to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. It's your name we ask and we pray and we believe. Amen.